and you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free, thanks to our sponsors this week, Ritual and Truebill. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also, games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy that's a hot bowl of chicken, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I am not going to take that college football head coaching job that people think I'm going to take. Oh. But I am going to then later take that other college football head coaching <laughs> job that no one asked me about. Man, this is my fa- I don't love football as a sport uh, because of like injuries and racism and stuff that's kind of gone on with it. Um, but this time of year is my favorite collegiate football time of year. It's when coaches be leaving. We made, got boys, we made it to a bowl game. I'm not going to coach you at that bowl game because I'm leaving. <laughs> You just uh, passed on over my, uh, when I called you, I I got that from my son. My son. I passed right over it because how would I get a reference that's between you and your beautiful child? (laughs) My son said, dad, you're a hot bowl of chicken. And you know what? I said, I said, I'm going to use that. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm going to steal it. So so you also also passed over it. You didn't see what it meant. I'm going to start calling people a hot bowl of chicken. I'm like, you know what, Christian? You're a hot bowl of chicken. I like <laughs> My that. five-year-old as as... called me a hot bowl of chicken. Daddy, you're a hot bowl of chicken. I was like, well, thank you, son. Thank you. Well, it is good. I, I think it's a compliment, Jeff. I think it's I'm a taking it as such. You are a hot bowl of chicken. Or, or, or you're a hot bowl of chicken. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. We, we got a lot to talk about. It is that time of year. Uh, we just had uh, the uh, Black Friday weekend. I guess it's, it's also Hanukkah? Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, Hanukkah. We got all of the biggest games have either come out or are coming out. We got so much to talk about. There's still news, but it's wonderful. We got there's you know we got family in town. There's there's time to play games. Games bring us together. It's wonderful, and I'm really excited about our guest this week because DLC, you know, always stands for your downloadable Kanata. And you're downloadable Christian. But this week, I am not just excited. I'm honored because DLC stands for Determined to Eliminate Cancer. Because from Game on Cancer, we have Shane Bailey joining us for the first time. Hey, Shane, how are you? Hello. Thanks for having me. I was so excited to find out what my DLC intro would be. And you have not disappointed, Mr. Kanata. Well, Thank you so it's much. It's the first one I've uh, actually cheated on, but I feel like L Eminate is, 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 fun, is more fun. I was like, you know what? I'll allow I'm going to let myself do it. I'm going to let myself do it. Um, and, and I'm so excited. I want you to tell folks uh, about Game on Cancer and, and what you do. And uh, I think it's, it's the time of year when we should be talking about this. But also, I am honored because you have asked me to be an official ambassador to Game on Cancer, which uh, I am thrilled and and delighted to to do. But tell folks and uh, you know explain what Game on Cancer does and how you are trying to uh, help the world. 
Yeah, it'd be my absolute pleasure. Uh, so Game on Cancer is an initiative of the charity that I work for, Cure Cancer. I just joined their team not too long ago, uh, and they have been around for more than 50 years at this point. Uh, their sole purpose is to fund uh, the careers of early career cancer researchers. These are the guys who dedicate themselves to a PhD for years uh, and then you know, eventually want to move into the, the realm of of research and more often than not, they're not able to get the funding that they need to, you know, pursue their, their hypotheses and their ideas and, and, um, help try and end cancer in, in all its forms. So Cure Cancer is there to really provide that stepping stone, um, and give them that, uh, help them kickstart their career, uh, when other funding bo- bodies aren't able to. Um, in our 50 plus year history, we've raised more than $80 million and helped kickstarted more than 500 early career cancer research careers. Uh, and just recently the team has been, um, exploring ways we can engage the gaming community, both locally here in Australia and globally, to help uh, expand those efforts. Uh, and I joined the team not two months ago to to help that. I come. My background is um, on the publisher side. I worked uh, for Ubisoft Australia in a marketing, communications, and esports capacities for more than six years. So, uh, yeah, understand the industry, and then um, now taking that experience and helping, I suppose, um, put it to put it to, towards a good cause. Um, and yeah, so Game on Cancer is our our gaming initiative. Um, we've just launched a brand new website and we have a really fun fundraising campaign coming up. Part of the whole plan is to is to help get the word out there and and obviously uh, make the biggest impact we can by by bringing on ambassadors. And no word of a lie here, Jeff, uh, you were at the top of my list when I joined the team. Um, and I'm so thankful that um, you, you, you know, you're, you're on board and um, yourself and Christian DLC 5x5 have been so supportive in, in uh, yeah, helping us spread the word. So I'm yeah truly honored to be on the show with you and you and Christian today. Well, we are honored to have you. And, you know, I think this time of year, uh, I think we all, you know, think about the ways that we can, we can be grateful and we can give back, you know, it's something that we can all do throughout the year, but it's nice to, to be thinking about that, uh, around the holiday season. And I'm, I'm honored to do everything I can to help. I think it's a really cool way to go about it. I think, uh, the idea of uh, helping fund people, young people who are getting into cancer research and have fresh ideas and are going to, you know, have an entire, as you said, entire careers uh, devoted to, to making the world a better place in this particular way is a cool, uh, is a cool way of going about it. And so I'm honored to be a part of it. And, uh, uh, we'll be telling folks, uh, throughout the show and, and at the end of the show, especially how they can help and how, uh, how we can all, uh, chip in to raise funds and, and, you know, help game on cancer. And I think it's a great marriage of, of, uh, a, a cause and a group of people, gamers, uh, who, uh, can actually make a difference. I, you know, this, this community has shown me how much people care and, uh, you know, that, that love this hobby, how much we can all care and devote our time, energy, and money into uh, positive outlets. Um, so, the website is gameoncancer.com.au. That's for Australia. So uh, gameoncancer.com.au. Uh, and uh, Shane, why don't you tell folks the, the best way that they can keep up to date and, and help out? Yeah, 100%. Let me 
quickly first say that I've been following both yourself and Christian since the TRS and weekend confirmed days. And I've seen over, you know, the past decade plus um, the positive impact that you guys have on the community, including myself. Um, and I think the DLC community at large is, is testament to, you know, the positivity that exists in gaming. So yeah, just want to reiterate that how happy I am to be working with you guys. But yes, oh, to keep thanks. up to date with all things Game on Cancer, uh, head to the website, gameoncancer.com.au. Uh, our fundraising campaign called The Holiday Spectacular will run from December 1st to 25th. And uh, yeah, there'll be plenty of fun ways for, for you to engage in that and donate and fundraise yourself. You can even sign up, start creating, start streaming um, and, you know, build your own fundraiser. Uh, we're looking to raise 100000 Australian dollars, which will fund uh, an early career cancer researcher for one year. Um, and yeah, the, the Twitter handle is on, is, on the, uh, is on the website as well. All the links to the social channels can be found there. And we'll put those in the show notes as well. So uh, you can have a handy dandy way to keep up to date. All right. As you said, though, you're also, uh, you know, a, a legitimate video gamer industry expert. So uh, we're delighted to have you for the entire episode this week. And let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. So I can't find my window. Hang on. Oh, there it is. Monitor's too wide. Too wide. Too wide. There it goes. <laughs> Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you would send comments or questions, your own reviews, if you'd like to have those on the show. Anything. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But there are other ways to engage the show and the community around the show, including our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, and our Discord, which is 5x5dlc on Discord as well. Urge you to take part in those communities. Great folks, positive places to be. But Shane, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Yeah, a bit of a quieter week, I suppose, given you know, the holidays. That's um, that's to be expected. Uh, but the one that jumped out to me was uh, the news not too long ago that Amazon is quote nearing a deal end quote for a Mass Effect TV series. Yeah, we've heard rumblings about this for a little while, but uh, it looks like it's it's happening, or at least it's 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 getting close to happening. I'm I'm guessing the reason you picked this one is because you are a Mass Effect fan. I, I am. I enjoy the, the core trilogy. Um, I, I should go and try Andromeda. Um, I think just the nah, prevailing sentiment. Prevailing sentiment around much. launch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of, um, yeah, pushed me away from it. But, um, it's, it's kind of one of those, yeah, uh, revisionist history where you get some people nowadays saying, oh, it wasn't that bad. You should go back. And maybe yeah. that's just in comparison to other Bioware titles like Anthem that have come since. So, uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll go back one day. I think it's on, on Game Pass and EA Play. So it might be worth just dabbling. Uh, yeah, huge fan Narrator. of the series. I think, um, a he huge, never um, went back. so what would you want to see out of a a mass effect tv show i mean obviously uh, the the universe is rich i think the uh you know the the lore is there would you want it to be a commander shepherd sort of retelling of that universe or were you would you hope for some new stories that take place in the mass effect uh world no, I think 100% not a retelling of mm. Shepard's story. Um, you go back and you play any of the original games from that 
that trilogy and you understand the rich tapestry of um, just cultures and species and stories that right now are untapped um, unless, you know, they're explored through other transmedia like books, novels, comics, graphics, or, you know, uh, podcasts, etc. So, uh, yeah, I would like for them to explore a completely new corner of the universe um, in the same way that Star Wars is explored in completely different stories as well. Um, you know, I, th- I think you also run into the trouble if you try and retell the same Shepard arc um, that you're, that you're, you know, pigeonholed to a linear storytelling medium and there's no way you're going to satisfy the hardcore Mass Effect fan base in that regard yeah. as well. So I think it behooves them to, yeah, take their own path, find their own little corner of the world, maybe thousands of years before or after, hundreds of, hundreds of years before and after, um, pick, you know, different uh, new characters that we can fall in love with um, in the same way that, you know, the, the KOTOR story arc in Star Wars is, is beloved as well um, and allow us to fall in love with that. And But just, you know, have the connections that we like, all oh, the, the same alien species that we, we enjoy and those, and those throwbacks that I know would mean a lot to the Mass Effect fan base. So, yeah, I would love yeah. to see something brand new from, from that. It would be cool. I, I mean, I think the iconography, the visual elements of Mass Effect are distinct and interesting and would be really cool to see in a live action setting. Um, the way the powers work, uh, the, as you said, the alien cultures. I mean, obviously, Mass Effect is Bioware doing their own Star Wars um, you know, it was you know, we, they did a Star Wars game and then they went, "Well, we can just just make our own Star Wars." Uh, and they did. And I think it has a lot of similarities to Star Wars. I guess you could say it's it's a bit Star Wars mixed with Star Trek. Um, Christian, what, A, are, are you excited for a Mass Effect TV show? And B, what kind of show would you hope to see? Would you want to see a more sort of uh, episodic Star Trek kind of visiting new planets every week? Or would you hope for something a little more focused and adventure heavy and and one story arc that takes place over the course of an entire season. Yeah, I think the latter um, would probably excite me the most like this. And I think that's kind of what streaming TV is, right? It's like this sure, binge. Yeah. It, each episode ends with a <gasps> so eight hour keep, movie, basically. Right. You want to keep yeah. going. I am excited about this. I think, you know, the Witcher um, Castlevania, which I know is animated and arcane, which is animated, but I like seeing, you know, when are we going to get the great video game movie? We've had them. They've been 10 hours and they've been on stream- streaming services. Yeah. Um, and as much as I love Marvel and Disney, and boy, do I love it. At the recent Disney Plus day, I would just felt overwhelmed. Like, I, I want other things also. <laughs> it's like everything is like, you like this show? Here's a show about this show. What about that show? Here's this show. And I was like, other properties give me something. And I think Mass Effect could be a a mainstream hit in a way for people that aren't familiar with the game because it you know it's it's um oh my gosh what is the uh i mean well i can't think of what i'm trying to think of um which is tim allen space quest there it is oh yeah <laughs> um, space quest seth mcfarlane's space show that became a more galaxy legit... quest is that what it's called yeah galaxy, or, galaxy quest. quest was the yeah whatever um lost in space like of course there's tons of shows like this that you could kind of pull from but i think what mass effect the games did really well is handle an important story a small important story about people told in grand fashion and i think that makes a very compelling tv show 
um, where they're able to have this huge universe around it. Battlestar Galactica, I think, did that well. Also, the still old now, but newer old version of Battlestar. Yeah, where right. it's very intimate about this core cast, but the world is huge and what Cylons mean. And, and I think Mass Effect is ripe for all of that. Um, the only other way I'd want the show to go is I'd want Commander Shepard to be trying to get on like an enemy, uh, leave an enemy base and have a guard be like, what's your name? And they say, Commander. And they go, what's your last name? And they don't have one, but the guard then sees a flock of sheep behind him <laughs> and goes. <laughs> the solo route? So, well, you're going to be Commander Shepard. <laughs> and then, you know, off, we're off and running. Um, yeah. No, but I think this perfect. is going to be great. Yeah, finally, an explanation. I think I think there should be a scene when where that happens, and they go, "Yeah, I'm Commander Shepard," and they go, "Wait, but she's Commander Shepard as well." And then there's two Commander Shepherds. It's like, you know, Shepard and Fem Shep. Uh, the same. Wait, Fem's a Shepherd too. Yeah, I think Jeff. I I think I think this has potential. To How are we not fantastic. writing this? How are we not hired to write this, Christian? Well, I have uh, five minutes of examples. Why not? Right there. A <laughs> well, the deal is not completely done, guys. So I think yeah. that's a shot here. I mean, <laughs> Amazon, this. Jeff Bezos, if you're listening, and I know you are. Sorry, Gary Witta, someone who would write this very well and is probably already writing it. We have some ideas we got for this. you. We got this. You want to get the gamers? Get us, baby. <laughs> Uh, Shane, I'm going to throw another story I know that you were keen to talk about. I'll throw it in with this one as well, because they're both sort of about movies and TV shows uh, based on or from video game companies. It, it, it seems our friend Hideo Kojima, whose game projects have slowly become more and more like movies and TV shows, uh, is now actually getting a film and TV Division, Kojima Productions, has now uh, officially entered the game of movies and TV shows and music as well. Uh, it was a pan media uh, company at this point. What do you make of this? Are you, are you hopeful that uh, Kojima Productions will bring something along the lines of, of, of the video games uh, into another medium? Do you, is that something you want to see? Uh, I can't say that I'm you know, frothing at the bit for for, for, for this um, in particular. I just thought it was a, a notable news story. And you're right, they are linked, you know, in that in that transmedia realm. So um, I think it's important to at least acknowledge it. Uh, I think it's just clearly obvious that Kojima wants to be in filmmaking. Um, yes. You know, if, if any of his, you know... Uh, you know, dozens of hour long uh, cutscenes from his from his previous titles are, are any indication. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. It's definitely a um, a quirky and um, off kilter type of storytelling that I don't think really you know uh, proliferates to the masses very often. You know, particularly via these streaming services, we've been we've been um, so accustomed to you know getting this uh, this genre content from. So look, I am curious to see what comes from it. Uh, it does raise the question. Um, how much of his time is going to be spent on future gaming projects, right? which I think for the most part, um, his hardcore fan base would be would be still be looking forward to more so than any of these other non-gaming projects. It kind of reminds me about the way that, at least from an uh, external perspective, Todd Howard uh, seems really stretched thin, you know, working on Starfield, also the director on Elder Scrolls Six, but he's also the producer on um, the Fallout TV series, I think that's the film, that's, that's a thing, that thing that's still happening as well. 
well as the Indiana Jones project that's being made at Machine Games. So, uh, yeah, I'm just curious to see how this played out. I can't say I'm a massive Kojima fan, but just based on his very unique type of storytelling, I'm very curious to see what he can come up with. Christian, you're a you're a bigger Kojima fan than I am. Are you excited about uh, the first movie or TV show from Kojima Productions whenever we see it? I mean, based on his recent tweets, I think the first thing we might see might be music. You know, like mm. a lot of tweets about yeah. music that he's getting into, and especially during the pandemic, like things he's listening to and exploring now. And I don't know if there are any clues there, but I feel like anytime Kojima looks somewhere it's like oh we're on a new quest to discover what he's talking about um as shane mentioned kojima has an eye for a a cinematic story you know like his games from way back have tried to capture that and they've only gotten more cinematic and sometimes you know your controller turns off because you've put it down during a metal gear solid 4 cutscene, and it's so long but i'm excited to see how he adapts his storytelling for film. You know, how is it different? I I do think that some of the, um, I want to choose words here. I won't get them right, but I think people are perhaps maybe because it's narrower. Let me finish the sentence. I think people are maybe a little more forgiving, forgiving with what really seems like some blatant sexism in the games because it's kind of chalked up to like, Oh, it's quirky or this, that, or the other. So Kojima being Kojima, these games are already so zany. All these other things are happening, but I'm very curious if his things are bigger and even more mainstream, how things like that maybe play out or if he scraps them, like that's the, that's the kind of nuance that I'm interested in. Like, does he go broad or is this very, kind of niche for the his audience and what it's trying to be and he doesn't shy away from what he wants to make is he still an auteur in film and tv jeff or does he show up in like you know the mcu's like you're directing uh this next movie get in line <laughs> you know like here's the yeah. here's the studio system here's how it works you can't have somebody who breathes through their skin and therefore has to be naked while they snipe on the battlefield <laughs> Yeah, that's the question, right? Is is I mean, I guess if it's his company making the the film or TV project, that's the whole point is that he gets to have a little more control over it than he would if he's just working with another production company, but it remains to be seen. It'll be interesting to see if the kinds of art that comes out uh is similar or if it'll have a different feel to it. Um but I suspect we'll get the live action version of some of these. <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think you're going to see, you know, death stranding the TV show or the movie. I think he'll have new different ideas. I'm, I'm just guessing I'm basing that on just my sense of, of the man. I don't, I don't know, but I, it seems to me like it won't be him just uh, doing video game projects as film and TV projects. It feels like he's going to create new stuff. Uh, maybe the thing that would have been his next game will now be a movie or whatever. <laughs> um, but it's, I think, you know, he's undeniably an interesting artist, uh, an interesting creator. And yes. you can't help but be curious what will come from that mind. I, I, mean, I think regardless of how you feel about Death Stranding or Metal Gear Solid or any of the the things he's known for, they are different than anything anybody else is making, and they're really interesting. I mean, even even his failures, quote unquote, 
I think are are more interesting than a lot of people's uh, best efforts, you know, because he's he really has a a different take and he's not afraid to be weird or unique or whatever adjective you want to say. And if if we get that in movie and TV form, I'm all for it. I'll I'll, I'll be excited to see what is generated here or even music, as you said, even music. One thing's for certain, we'll probably hear about this at a Game Awards, I'm sure. Just debut the oh, seven-minute preview. Yes, happy, yeah. to, happy to uh, talk about his good buddy. That's the it, Game Kojima. Awards ends and credits roll, and you're like, wait, this was Kojima's movie? It's like not real. You know, It's just like very meta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Yeah, I noticed this. I think it was today I saw this uh, on IGN, uh, but they were talking about a Eurogamer report. It's kind of, I guess, the original source for it, but I, I saw it over on IGN. And it's that um, the DC Universe online developer, uh, Dimensional Inc. Studios, is working on a Marvel MMO. And this has been uh, kind of rumored for a while, but it came out in an investor presentation, which is you know, oftentimes while we get announcements of things that are far away where it's like, why are they announcing this game? Like, why is some fancy Twitter reveal coming out for this game that's not coming out for five years? Well, because their investor relations report is going to come out late in two days and be a boring way to release something like this. Um, but Daybreak Games, Austin-based studio, uh, Dimensional Inc. Studios, in this... Um, investor presentation it came out that they're years away from it but a longer term project is a marvel mmo and it's being led by jack emmert who people might know from city of heroes and currently leads dc universe online in dc universe online they had said oh was it this month five years ago (laughs) times a black hole um but they had talked about like a huge expansion coming to that and i think this is fascinating one DC Universe. What, who are you, Jeff? Raptor Boy? Raptor Man? Yeah, Raptor Man. I, uh, a million years ago, we talked about it, ten but years. I think, you know, it's still, it's a a, year st- of, yeah. Yeah, still a good MMO. Still really good. Yeah. And City of Heroes, I thought, launched with a lot of promise. Um, it kind of suffered the fate many MMOs do um, of sustainability over the long term, but I thought it was really interesting. And I, I'm curious to see what a Marvel MMO from that studio that has a track record of, of releasing good superhero MMOs does because the Marvel MMO has been much rumored and half started by several studios over the years. And we got kind of versions of them, you know, here and there. But this seems like it has a real chance to get going. And I love seeing, as I mentioned, I'm a big Marvel fan. I love seeing Marvel spreading the wealth um, across developers and genres and getting these games out. This is super exciting. Yeah, yeah I think the, uh, you know, even if it's just DCUO with a Marvel skin, I'm interested. I, I don't think that's what it'll be, but I'm I'm interested because I think that is a a very good way to do a superhero MMO in general and a DC MMO in specific in that you get to create your own hero, but the cast of dc is involved and around and you're in those locales i think that could be really cool i think doing that with marvel would be cool who knows what it's going to be i mean it's to a certain extent it's hard to get revved up too much because you know even in this report it says 2023 at the very earliest which means it's vaporware right now it's an investor report vaporware story but i I mean 
Jack Emmert has a great track record, and I think that's why I'm excited about it this week. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I, I'll tell you what, I, when I saw this come through, I texted all the dudes I used to play DCUO with, because uh, some of them still play it. And some of them, uh, you know, I, we all uh, think highly of that MMO. I think it's a really, really well done MMO. The, the variety of superpowers, the way those superpowers are expressed, how you traverse the world. It was all really fun. It's still, still really fun. And they updated, they had more hero encounters. Like that was kind of, I think the bummer for the first, whatever it was, year or two when it launched it, you've kind of felt, it was a bunch of Raptor mans and star kids and whatever. But over the years, they learned from that, I think. And that's why I'm excited to see how they do it with Marvel because yeah, do you, it'd be weird if everybody's Wolverine, right? Shane with like those weird gloves, I think. I think my approach like Jeff would be that DCU approach. Um, DC online approach, but I would want to see Spider-Man from time to time. Yeah. Like you said, this one's so far away that it's hard to get excited about anything because we don't know exactly what form it will take though. I will say that given Marvel's very strong recent sort of re-entry into the gaming space, you know, led by John Drake and and their team um, purposefully partnering with some of the best studios in the world to bring to life stories and games and experiences that only the best minds in the industry can deliver, I think uh, makes me hopeful for this sort of thing. I'm not an MMO, MMO player, but um, I think Marvel's, you know, a, a, a big enough hook to at least pique my interest. Um, and one thing I also note here, I want to double check this quickly before, before I mention it, was um, Bioware Austin. They're the team behind Star Wars, The Old Republic as well. So a lot of, um, you know, long time, MMO talent uh, in the yeah. same in that same area as well. So I think plenty of experience to pull from. I think um, there is reason to be excited. We're just going to, have to wait and see again what form it takes. Yeah, I, Christian, you said something that I think uh, really resonated with me. This notion of this team, or at least members of a team that have been working on this kind of thing for that long, that have been trying to crack that nut of how you do. IP rich superhero MMO content, taking all of those learnings and starting fresh. I feel like there has to be a number of things where if you ask them candidly, they'd say, well, if we had it to do all over again, we'd do X, Y, or Z differently. Here's an opportunity to start from scratch and, you know, and do it based on how they do it now. I think that to me is a pretty exciting prospect. Um, but yeah, long yeah. way off. You know, at the earliest, twenty twenty three means probably twenty twenty five is when we'll actually, you know, see this project come to life. And then but, the good content arrives in twenty twenty six and twenty twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets it delayed to twenty twenty six. That just means it's going to come out right when Avengers gets rebooted in cinema. You know, so we'll there have uh, a time. new new actor playing Captain America, and we'll start all over again. It'll be the perfect time to launch. <laughs> Sadly, you know, we'll still be doing DLC and it'll be, you know, we'll be on episode 700 or something and it'll be like, nothing. Hey, we, we talk about that. about that. And Chris, you know, Chris will make fun of me that I don't remember. Whatever. That Yes, that, that's what our show will be at episode 700. We'll be like, do you remember when we talked about this wow. game? How long ago? Yeah, in season four years, we age 80, which actually tracks with the way the world works now. Yeah, on, the, on the course we're going, that feels safe. Yeah, that feels that feels like a pretty, pretty obvious path forward. All right, uh, my story of the week uh, is um, an acquisition that I found to be pretty fascinating. It, this week, Epic Games, 
acquired one of my, I, I will, I will, you know, upon reflection, I don't know if I would have listed them off if you had said, Hey Jeff, who are your favorite developers? But when you bring the name up, I'm like, you know what? That deserves a place on my favorite developers list. And it is Harmonix. Epic has acquired Harmonix, the creators of Rock Band and uh, a lot of other awesome uh, rhythm and sort of music-based games. Uh, Harmonix now has been acquired by Epic. There's a a big press release announcing this uh, with Harmonix folks uh, talking about how excited they are about pushing the creative boundaries of what's possible inventing new ways for players to make, perform, and share music, yada, yada, yada. All boilerplate stuff. Cool. I don't mean to diminish it. I'm sure it's uh, sincere. But the crazy thing, the reason that I think this belongs as a story of the week is because, according to Harmonix, uh, they'll be working with Epic to create musical, quote, musical journeys and gameplay for Fortnite. For Fortnite. It's so Christian. It's those, it's those virtual concerts. So I, I mean, yes. I kind of get being bummed out about like, oh, harmonics that we knew is kind of dead, but harmonics as we kind of knew is already kind of dead. Um, well, this- uh, you should say, you should caveat that because I mean, again, w- you know what are words worth at this point? Uh, words are wind, as J.R. Tolkien, or no, uh, whatever doesn't matter. Words you don't are remember wind. where that quote is from? Yeah, Jeffrey, I don't remember <laughs> either. It's uh, it's the other. It's uh, uh, George R. R. Martin who said "Words are wind." Um, but they did say that this does not change any plans to continue to support Rock Band and to continue to support um, what's the card based one that they make? That I, I really Fuser? like. They were Fuse. Fuser. Yeah, Fuse. Yeah. Fuser. Yeah. Um, so they're still think, updating those, adding songs. They said that it does not change their continued support DLC plans for any of those. But I I like the Fortnite events. I've played, you know, especially over this pandemic, I've played even more Fortnite than I otherwise would. Um, and I think making those more interactive is is compelling. I hate using the word metaverse because it's kind of a, a meaningless term. But as Epic is working toward that world where all of your experiences belong to us uh, to quote a poorly translated video game from my youth um and having a way to make those concerts or those big events interactive like getting people together and creative and doing like drop mix or something like that style play or even rock band or any rhythm based game in those moments i think could be really fun and exciting i mean the epic the concerts that have happened within Fortnite. Some of them have been really incredible, like well, legit, really incredible. I I don't disagree with that. I, I was going to give you some credit though, Christian, and say that you know this. I, I know you have said multiple times on this show. Uh, at some point, Fortnite will be everything. Like that's the that's the the goal with Fortnite is that it's going to be all games, and I think this is kind of proof of that. It's it, it's not we want to acquire harmonics to create our own music games. It's we want to acquire harmonics to create music games inside our other game. Mm-hmm. And what that other game has a, yeah, among us mode, uh, you know, it, it is, yeah. I mean, Fortnite is there everything. And um, I think it can fit. Yes. The corporate taking over everything is sad, but it's also a game I really <laughs> enjoy. And I can see myself enjoying this. And hopefully this gives harmonics an influx of ca- cash, and they're able to be cool and creative in ways that maybe they couldn't before. Shane, what do you think of 
games swallowing other games. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more just sad that this is games swallowing whole developers, right? I think it's yeah. why we we uh, cringe or shed a tear whenever another Activision studio is just rolled into the Call of Duty machine, right? And Well, it's um, different when it's like we got to use another studio to make Call of Duty. I think, I think, I mean, it seems to me that this is a little bit different in the sense it's, we're going to use this studio to make the thing this studio makes, but just inside this other game. It's like if Call of Duty all of a sudden had a mode that was a completely different kind of game inside it. Yeah, no, you're right. It is a, it is a, a bit different in, in that, in that regard. So I'm still excited for the music projects that that uh, all the music experiences that um, harmonics can deliver inside of Fortnite. As someone who's not a Fortnite player, um, the idea of needing to boot up Fortnite now to experience whatever harmonics delivers, harmonics delivers next, um, is a bit sad. Um, and I yeah. think just from you know, the, I, you know, Jeff, I can only surmise that the reason that you put harmonics in the list of your favorite developers uh, of all time would be for that 07 to 2010 era where you know Rock Band and and the like uh, filled our our gaming time um, with joy and happiness and yeah. uh, you know yeah, fantastic sure. times with friends. So um, I think there's a bit of you know sadness in the sense that maybe we don't get something like that uh in its own sort of um solitary uh form now it's just going to take place with inside a fortnight um so look i'm excited to, to see what they can they can bring to the table also crazy to think that there's still rock band dlc happening i did not know that this was a thing um, yeah so uh, i see that hopefully that lasts a bit longer i see that beetle is that a beatles rock band uh, that's the Beatles anthology behind me in, in stereo. Oh, that's so that, real that launched, yeah, that, that launched the same band day Beatles. actually as, um, the Beatles rock band way back in, yeah, the 9th of September, 09, it was 09, 09, 09. Um, so I picked it up the same day as Beatles rock band. So yeah, I count myself as one of those people who, um, pine for the days where we, you know, you'd, you'd go over your friend's place and just, um, you know, jam together. And, uh, it was good times before COVID and, you know, the apocalypse and, and all that jazz. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, look, it's in my mind, it's a bit sad. I like, I, also think that you know maybe it's a, a bit of a, um, a saving grace on harmonics's part like they they really um sort of uh, moved into the shadows right after the the rise and fall of the music game genre um and they were doing their own thing but um i would not have bet against them being a studio to close down just based on the fact that you hadn't heard from them you know creating something massive i know that they found success with the likes of fuser and even amplitude um almost a decade ago at this point um but uh look i think they're in safe financial hands at the uh, right now so can only be happy for well, 100 plus people at that studio yeah that's two, for sure two things in chat that made me uh smile hot slag now when you squat up in Fortnite, you have to choose guitar bass or drums nice nice <laughs> love pretty that. good and then mr jeff grubb Fortnite is plastic you can shape it into any funko pop you want um <laughs> that's good which is true it, i just like the idea know. of harmonics employees now just being backstage of the ariana in-game concert and like needing to use their controls to plug in things and <laughs> yeah uh, yeah just make that concert come to life be, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, she's doing her real concert and you drop the baseline and she's like jeff cannata 0421 what are you doing and you're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> well you know, as far as that first comment, I'd much rather squat up in Fortnite and have to pick guitar, bass, drums, or or vocals uh, than the other way around, which is, uh, you know, you want to play a rhythm game, grab your sniper rifle, you know? I'd rather, I'd rather it be that direction than the other way. We shall see what Harmonix does next. I think it's, a, I think it's interesting, for sure, if, if nothing else. Um, 
Let me take a second and thank our first sponsor, which is Ritual. You know, you should not ignore gaps in your diet. Uh, Over 90% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet. And 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. That is why my wife continues to take Ritual's Essential for Women the 18 and over multivitamin, which was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women's ages 18 and over. It's formulated with nutrients that help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. My wife, like I said, has been taking this uh, for uh, years now, and she prefers it because... It doesn't upset her stomach. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these multivitamins, unfortunately, you have to eat with food or it will upset your stomach. Not so with Ritual. You can actually take it on an empty stomach. It's made for sensitive stomachs. And so you don't have to cater it around mealtime. You don't have to worry about, oh no, I can't take my vitamin now because I haven't eaten in a few hours. Uh, it, it just makes it so much more convenient. And, you know, these... even even people with good diets, like my wife, she's very conscientious about what she puts in her body. Even people who eat well will have these gaps in their diets, these things that you're just not getting from the food that you eat. So uh, she's very committed to uh, taking her ritual. She's made it into a ritual. That's why it's called ritual. And it it becomes easy with the ritual because you have a subscription that shows up at your door. That's what my wife, she gets her subscription showing up at her door. Uh, it's easy to uh, it's easy to cancel at any time, but it makes it so you don't forget you're actually doing your ritual. You're taking your multivitamin every single day and living a healthier life. Right now, Ritual is offering listeners of DLC 10% off your first three months of Ritual. You can visit ritual.com slash DLC and turn healthy habits into your own ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash DLC, R-I-T-U-A-L.com slash DLC. They're committed to non-GMO, traceable, and vegan-friendly ingredients, and have always have com- clear communication, no shady stuff. Check it out, ritual.com slash DLC. All right, let's talk about the games we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. All right, Shane, what have you been playing this week? What is on your playlist? Uh, yeah, a, a couple of things. My, uh, I'm just waist deep into halo infinite at the moment um i my favorite video game franchise uh and i was huge into halo 3 way back in the day uh thoroughly enjoyed my hands-on time during the technical previews earlier this year and um was itching to get my hands on it thrilled that they dropped it uh, shadow dropped it on the 15th to celebrate the game and xbox's 20th anniversary and uh yeah look i'm, I'm no esports pro or content creator so but by my 
count. Uh, I've played a lot. I think I'm about 30 hours in the first week. Um, and yeah, enjoying it so, so much. I, uh, a friend of mine asked, uh, you know, how I was enjoying it. And I, I equated it to feeling as though I had lived overseas since 2007. And now I finally <laughs> come home. Um, <laughs> wow. And, you know, Halo cool. Master Chief Collection came and, came and went. And that was kind of like the equivalent of like an Australian bar opening up wherever I was living and uh, being able to visit there and, and relive some uh, of, of what I remember of um, the old school Bungie Halo days. Uh, but no, I, I think it's a fantastic effort from 343. I think for the most part, from a gameplay perspective, they've really nailed it. It's just a return to a return to form of, you know, a, a arena shooter with fair starts, a physics-driven sandbox, um, and yeah, they've they've really knocked it out of the park in my mind. I think a, a lot can be said, uh, particularly in the, this first week and a half of the, um, the the controversy around progression, the battle pass, and microtransactions. Uh, and I think a lot of the criticism is is definitely fair. It's good to know that three four three is listening to that. But um, yeah, I, I must say that um, I'm enjoying it thoroughly, and I know Christian's been diving into to it a bit as well. Yeah, I I, I think you. You probably gave them the compliment that they would most want to hear uh, at 343, which is that feeling of coming home uh, to Halo. And I wonder if we could dig into that a little bit more. Um, what is it, do you think, that makes this multiplayer feel... I mean, because there's a lot different, right? There's a lot new. Uh, it is uh, uh, many years since that original Combat Evolved multiplayer. Um, what is it that makes halo halo and what is it that makes this halo feel more like what you want halo to be than you know more recent iterations have yeah no, it's, a, it's a fantastic question i think um what i mentioned earlier you know physics driven sandbox fair starts yeah. you know no longer do we have loadouts like we saw in five and i believe four as well um and to be fair i think three four three cops a lot of criticism for um for taking that route, you know they had things like um, the uh, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the um, the the weapon drops that you were the kill streaks um, essentially from Call of Duty that were popularized around 2010 2011 uh, and in Halo sort of you know taking that ball and, and running with it. Three four three really picked up what Bungie established with Reach um, and continued down that path. So I think it is a a course correction in some ways for Infinite. Um, so I think in that regard, they've, they've really nailed it, but they've still managed to keep it fresh and modern. We still have sprint there, though, in some limited capacity, right? You don't get a lot of increased speed based on sprinting. It's really there as a way to facilitate the slide as well. Um, but I think it, it also helps in making the game not feel dated. I think anyone who hasn't engaged in Halo, uh, you know, back when, back when we, we all, back when I was on top of, um, the, the king of, uh, of first person shooters, um, to go back now and not have sprint whatsoever in Halo 3 feels really, really old and really, really slow. Um, so I think that they they found a, a perfect marriage of the new and the old. For me, it's, and this could be said about the single player as well, what I love about Halo and, and multiplayer as well is that even when um, an, an opponent spots me first, I, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be eliminated straight away. Um, using the tools at my disposal, I have the ability to turn the tides if I play my cards right. Um, and that could mean getting a well-timed grenade bounce. It could mean using, you know, if you're, if you're playing in just quick play, using the motion sensor to your advantage as well and uh, luring them around a corner only to to try and perform like a ninja takedown on them as well if, you, if you're good enough. Um, 
Yeah, and and I think also you know I'd be remiss if I didn't mention also the uh, the importance of map control and power weapons as well. Something that um, Halo Four really stepped away from with those with those weapon drops that were really um, mimicking the kill streak system from games like Call of Duty. So I think yeah, to to surmise all of that, there's really been a, a fantastic course correction, and three four three has found a a great marriage between what I think most of most old school Halo fans really enjoy uh, and what modern gamers now who perhaps haven't engaged in Halo before enjoy about shooters today. So uh, time will tell. Um, so far, the, the player base is astronomical. It's been doing really, really well. And I think free-to-play was certainly the correct path them to take in that regard. Um, but uh, let's see if they can keep that player base engaged. Yeah. Well, Christian, you've been playing a ton of Halo Infinite multiplayer as well. Do you concur with the, Shane's assessment? I do. I, I think he hit on a lot of a lot of points that make it feel fresh and modern while still like retaining that that Halo feel. Because a lot has changed and a lot did change over the course of four and five. But I think moving away from, you know, that idea of kill streaks and stuff like that in the core Halo gameplay makes sense and it makes it feel like coming home i mean you're still left trigger right triggering like you halo you didn't left trigger right trigger like right and a sniper rifle you zoomed in but maybe a no br you would it was thumbstick click right i believe Ooh, muscle memory and so um it still has that left trigger right trigger feel of a more modern shooter but yet the gunplay itself still feels like halo in a big way and spawning with you know, the weapons you have, an assault rifle and a pistol. I mean, there were times where Halo moved away from pistols in, in a big way, where it was like, uh, everybody loved the pistol and was it one and two? And they're like, well, no more pistols and Ford's OP or whatever. And it's just like, this franchise has been going for 20 years now. So there's been a lot of tweaks to the formula. And I think what Infinite Multiplayer does really well is really dissect what it means to be a halo multiplayer game while still adding new things like the um, grapple line and the turret shield and some of these perks the dash that is a faster way to now evade within the moment a different than sprint but also having them have um i think well-timed recharges excuse me um and also being limited like being on map pickups um at times which makes it interesting as that changes as you play. I, I think the thing that they are still, they they're, Shane mentioned it, and they say that they're listening to the criticism, but I think the thing that they have not figured out yet, um, or they have not put into the game yet, is the idea of a free-to-play progression system in a game. And I'm happy that it's the one that they launched with isn't um, exploiting people. You know, it's not like they went like egregious microtransaction pop-ups here, like having fun. Would you rather have three plasma grenades for t- for $2? You can have, you know, it's not yeah. that. Um, but Call of Duty um, quickly learned uh, its progression system from Fortnite. It didn't launch with a great one, in my opinion. Um, and I'm referencing that game only to compare it to another game. I'm aware of what I said last week, and I'm going to try my best to stick to it. Um, <laughs> the Fortnite's progression system is is really engaging, and other games have cribbed from it, some more successfully than others. And I think potentially where 343 is struggling a little bit with Halo is because Halo is that arena shooter. There's more of a struggle for other 
quote, things to do during a game other than just play well. Um, whereas in Fortnite, it can be like discover this area, hit this rock, go fishing and call of duty. It could be land on these 10 buildings and halo infinite's multiplayer. Is this arena fast, tight, classic halo, longest, a blood gulch, like these maps feel like halo maps. And so it's weird to see people like put the needler down, Susan, put the (laughs) needler down. And like, clearly they're going for, some XP progression. And it's hard because the game is free to play, which I do think it's a lot of players in, but it's still, I mentioned this, I think it was last week. It's still the first thing it shows you when you're done is that slow XP crawl. Um, it, it clearly wants that to be a hook. And I've been playing, this is the first time I'm saying it out loud. Tenrai, Fracture Tenrai, like the current event that's happening right now. And it's a Slayer Fiesta um, game mode. And I love Slayer Fiesta. It's where you... Shan, have you played any Slayer Fiesta? I have, yeah. Yeah. I love it. You spawn with random weapons. So it does away with the pistol and assault rifle. I and like, like the uh, Tostitos Slayer Fiesta Bowl. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a New Year's Day Bowl, right? Is it, I don't <laughs> even know. Um, it's, uh, it's really fun because you'll, you'll spawn with like a rocket launcher and a plasma sword. And you're like, ooh, <laughs> game on. And the next time you'll spawn with like a needler and a pistol. And it's like someone around me has a rocket launcher. This is going to go well, but really fun, really fun dynamic games. But the fracture Tenrai event itself in this progression is super frustrating because you can't do it all now. It's like, it's going to come back in five weeks, but in this progression, I'm exaggerating a little bit here. I'm not going to get the specifics exactly right. Um, I don't have the battle pass in front of me, but it's like you get like a knee pad, but only your right knee pad. Like you literally can't do it enough to get also get the left knee pad. It's what? Like, how is that? I, there's two challenges. I can't fill this whole armor. And I think they meant it to be, Oh, I can't wait till this comes back five weeks from now. But instead I kind of feel like, I have one dumb knee pad. (laughs) It just feels like an artificial way to bring you back to the game. And that's the last thing it needs right now because it is so much fun. I think people are going to come back. Uh, Don't, uh, you know, punish your player base who want to be there 24 hours a day um, by forcing them to say, okay, you can only unlock one knee pad right now. See you again in two months and we'll bring back the, the second knee pad and then you'll own the helmet in March. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's rather frustrating. Because it's so front and center, it makes me think of it, and it turns me off, whereas I'm just having fun playing this mode. Um, And so I I think it is a challenge. I'm not saying it's an easy fix. I I think there are very smart people at 343, and I trust that they can figure it out, but it's not there yet, because I I feel bad. That was a really fun map for a fun game. Oh, well, crap, this is stupid. Should I play another stupid thing? (laughs) There there was a time. Uh, I am old enough to remember. There was a time. When the carrot at the end of the stick was just the fun. It was just the reason you keep playing it is because you like it, not because you're trying to earn something. And I, that's how that, that's how shooters have modernized though. I agree. And, and that could maybe be enough, but when done well, this type of incentive to keep playing is strong. And yeah. when not done oh, for well, sure. it's not. Uh, 
listen, I'm not saying that because I'm somehow above it. I, I am very motivated by, I want to earn, I got to get my DeLorean in, in Forza. I got my DeLorean. I'm very excited about my DeLorean in Forza five. Uh, but you know, I, I also recognize there was a time in my youth when I just played a game because I wanted to keep playing it. I didn't, there was no, uh, there was no carrot on the end of the stick other than that, that fun that I was having. And it's the uh, cost of time. Yeah. Go ahead, Shane. Go I was going to say, it's, it's the cost of the free to play model, right? Um, yeah. As someone yeah. who, you know, I worked on, on the publisher side um, and I, I saw firsthand the, the power of games as a service. Uh, you know, you, I, I for one am mostly in favor of the free to play model just because it does away with the pain points of what we used to experience with multiplayer games like Halo. You know, you didn't have microtransactions or battle passes. You had DLC packs where 20% of the player base would, would only own these three new maps that launched. And all of a sudden <laughs> it completely fractures it and uh, really hurts the long-term um, viability of, of the entire of the entire experience. So I, for one, am, I, I'm for that free-to-play model. I think it can be done really well, you know, when you're rewarding people in just cosmetic ways and they don't impact gameplay. So, again, very important with Halo having those fair starts as well, right, particularly in the arena game modes. Um, I think it it could fit really well. And, you know, to to their credit as well, they have they have mentioned a couple of things that uh, I think are great design philosophies as well, just around their own versions of the Battle Pass, like the fact that they won't ever expire. If in three years' time you come on board to Halo Infinite as a new player, you can still buy the Season 1 Battle Pass from launch day uh, and, and progress that as you choose. Um, so they're really doing away with that FOMO as well. Um, but it's, it's clear that they still have a lot of work to do. Thankfully, I think it's the, the part that's going to be the easiest to fix. You know, we have a, a great game, a great skeleton here. It's just these, um, these ancillary yes. other parts of the experience that are, are proving, um, being pain points for the play base. Yeah. That's well, a that's, good point. that's Halo Infinite, the multiplayer going strong. I'm very excited to dive into the campaign when that drops. Which is like next week. Next people week. Are to this, right? It's the eighth. Yeah. Oof. So excited. So excited. Some folks had hands on already. I was talking to some people that had already played it. We're talking very highly about the, what, five hours they were allowed to play it. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, you know, I think the future is bright for Halo. I'm excited. But what else have you been playing, Shane? You, your playlist is not just Halo. What else have you got? No, this past weekend I uh, started and finished uh, an Australian developed game. Actually, the Artful Escape. I know uh, both of you have have uh, finished it, it right, uh, Christian? You, you, you mentioned that you played it earlier, but now you've rolled credits. Um, yeah, I'm really thankful that I eventually gave this one a shot. It was on my you know to playlist when it launched. I think back in August. Uh, I just didn't have the time, but I I managed to square away the four hours this past weekend to to give it a good shot, and I. Yeah, I'm I'm really blown away by by the whole experience. It's uh, like you guys would have would have mentioned last week. It's absolutely stunning, uh, and I tried my best to come up with um, you know you're discussing last week as well um, the the difficulties around sort of uh, pigeonholing this game or, or you know being able to describe it to someone because it it is ostensibly a 2D walking simulator, but that really does the game a disservice to call it just that um, yeah. and what I'd come to was like a mix of what, you know, what if harmonics double fine and night school studio, the developers of Oxen free <laughs> had a baby. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, but even in some ways, accurate. I think that could be doing a disservice as well. Uh, but look, it's just a fantastic exploration of, um, you know, 
music and uh, some great themes that I really connected with self-discovery and being true to yourself. Um, yeah. And I think that's the way I would like to sell it to anyone who hasn't played it. I think it's, um, it's a very simple experience that, you know, is interactive still, you know, it's not just, um, uh, you know, a beautiful montage of, of visuals that you, you, you press um, a, a few buttons along to. There is agency there in, in the, the character and persona that you create through, um, through Vendetti, Francis Vendetti, the main protagonist. Um, yeah, so I, I can only speak to the fact that I got the same feelings I did playing this experience like I did playing Journey as well. The joy of just very smooth uh, movement through a beautiful world um, and uh, exploring, yeah, a wide range of emotions tied tied to a fantastic story about self-discovery and, and um, being true to yourself. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I can't recommend it uh, highly enough. It's It's on Game Pass, so, yeah, a really easy sell. I agree. Yeah, it's a beautiful game. And it's a game that is intends to deliver a feeling to you. And that feeling is you rock. <laughs> you know, it's, it, 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 it is a joyous, exuberant experience to play the Artful Escape. Uh, and I was fortunate. I, I played it uh, in my, my home theater right after I moved into my new house. Uh, my house has a, has a pretty awesome home theater. Um, and the sound just in a great sound system, man, it just feels awesome to play the game. The visuals, the acoustics, it just feels really fun. And is there challenge? No. Is, is there a fail state? No, but all of that doesn't really matter. You can even say it's not actually a GAME game. But it's an interactive experience that delivered a feeling to me that nothing else quite can match. And for that, I really appreciate the Artful Escape as well. Yeah, I played it on my Series X. I've got a fortune enough to have a 4K OLED and it was absolutely stunning. Uh, just yeah. out of curiosity, I noticed that it was available uh, via cloud gaming um, and had touch controls. So I booted up just a, mm. a short segment to see how it performed. And it was fantastic. I don't recommend it just because, you know, of the, the visual and auditory experience that you can have um, through any other means <laughs> than just on a phone. Uh, so I would recommend it playing it uh, another way. But no, this is, you know, fantastic news for... The game moving forward, you know, if it does stay in Game Pass, it can be played just with a controller and a TV once the Xbox Game Pass app for smart TVs arrives, right? I think right. Um, it only bodes well for the developer. Their experience will be um, able to be delivered to more people who don't have Series X or Series X consoles. So, yeah, I think that's um, that's that's really good. I am keen to know, though, uh, your, the, your persona. What did you name each of your personas? Do you recall? Oh, I don't remember no. now. You compile it out of a number of sort of uh abstract phrases and i i very much invested and cared about what i was selecting but if you ask me now i have to go look it up i can't recall it's been you know it's been several weeks since i played that game uh, what was yours i had the wild hymn weaver oh wow mine is Garmoth. very different than that that's yeah, awesome. I have no clue. I also did not invest a lot of time in it. I was like, wee, wee, wee. Oh, man. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would set the controller down and think about, oh, who do I want to be? And I spent so much time. Uh, one of the things I think is cool about the Artful Escape is that the character creator screen happens in the last third of the game, uh, which is, I think, makes more sense than creating your character at the beginning of a game when you have no idea what the game is. You know, it makes more sense to have the character creator at the end of the game when you go, Oh, I've been through this experience. This is how I want to look and feel. Um, and I spent so much time in that little spaceship coming up with my outfit and my color scheme and all that. stuff. So, and you, 
you, it, it, the way it works uh, is that you walk into these little rooms and each room is a different, I don't know, set of clothing options uh, or parts of the body. And so I, I remember <laughs> I worked so hard on li- liking my top and my bottom and my shoes and all that stuff. And then like the last room is you can put on a, a full costume over the top of all that and it just completely <laughs> completely invalidates all the other decisions that I spent hours on and I, I walked in I was like oh no this like David Bowie-esque entire full body suit is really what I want and I spent you know 20 minutes figuring out all the color scheme for the stuff that you can't even see underneath it now yeah I had the exact same experience no one will ever <laughs> truly appreciate the time I spent choosing the tights for my character right because you can't yeah. see them you don't even see the them and it's like but oh man I spent so many Oh, what colors? Ooh, the primary color, the secondary color. Ooh, oh, that looks cool. That looks cool. Yeah, great game. Therefore, escape. Um, Christian, before we get to you, I want to thank our second sponsor, which is a new sponsor, True Bill. Now, I guarantee you, listening to the show, you've had this experience, dear listener. You sign up for a free trial subscription to something that sounds cool and you only did it because it's a free trial and you it doesn't cost you anything. And then you forget to cancel it. And all of a sudden, months later, you're still getting an auto bill on your credit card. You don't even notice it. How many hundreds of dollars, if not thousands, did you spend long after forgetting to cancel and you didn't even want the thing in the first place? You only... Signed up for it because you told yourself, oh, it's free. It's not going to cost me anything. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Well, this sponsor is about fighting back against that scammy subscription. It's called Truebill. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or that you simply forgot about. On average, get this, people can save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped save them over $100 million. That's a lot. Uh, it's uh, it's like like uh, one person, Matthew B, points out on their website. In a matter of seconds, I saved six hundred and sixty dollars for the year on my Direct TV bill. Saved one hundred and twenty dollars for the year on my Sirius XM bill. Saved eight hundred forty dollars a year on car insurance. Wow! So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at TrueBill.com/dlc. Go right now, Truebill, T-R-U-E-B-I-L-L dot com slash D-L-C. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash D-L-C. All right, Christian, I know, as you said, you've been playing a lot of Halo multiplayer, but what else is on your playlist? I rolled credits on a game and I want to talk about it. But before I get to that, I do want to mention Xbox did their 20th anniversary museum. I was going to bring that thing. up when, when, when Shane mentioned that. Uh, did you yeah. messed around with it? I did. So I did. I tweeted it out. It's a little uh, goofy. Oh, uh, yeah. But I loved it. So according to that, which like, I kind of don't know if I trust, but I, I don't know why I wouldn't trust it. It doesn't show the OG Xbox because I never 
I don't know if that connected that to the internet. It didn't list that for me. And I have to guess that like Halo 1 was probably my most played. But according to the 20th Anniversary Museum, my most played game is Halo 3. As Shane wow. mentioned, Halo 3 got a lot of us. Uh, my top five most played games. This doesn't come as a shock to me, but it might come as a shock to some of our listeners who on this show, we talk about new games every week and we don't always talk about our married two games over the years. Yeah. But over the past five years, 2021 so far, Minecraft, that's been my kids. <laughs> All right. 2020. This is just on Xbox. 2020, the division Two, 2019 Sekiro. 2018 Far Cry 5 and 2017 Battlefront 2. That's pretty impressive. I'm trying to sign in now to get the same. I didn't sign well, in. I just wandered around and like a like a goofball looking at all the old oh, yeah. uh, no, stuff. If you sign like, in, I remember you, all that stuff happening. Oh, yeah. So it has that, which is great because you get to see like the and it's so fun of them to put out like their letter to Nintendo when they tried to buy Nintendo that Nintendo like it was yeah, very but there's a lot redacted in it, you know? There's yes, a of lot. course, but still cool to see. But yeah, if you sign in, you could see like your specific stats for some. How stuff. do I get to that? I'm, I'm there now. Uh, I'm looking at it. I will say as well, I think 360 for me, Halo 3, Christian, that was my most played game. Overall, though, it was Rainbow Six Siege and. As, I mean, that's on brand as someone you, Shane, who's so a yeah, former yeah. Ubisoft employee. So, and I worked on <laughs> led Rainbow Six Esports here locally for a while. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so that, that checks out. But yeah, same thing, Christian. I don't think I logged into Xbox Live on the original Xbox way back when. I recall oh, wow. getting broadband internet in 2006, just before the first Gears of War shipped. Yeah, um, nice. So, yeah, that's when I, I jumped onto Xbox Live. And yeah, Gears of War and even Call of Duty 2 way back then was a game I played quite a bit. Uh, and then yeah. it was all, all Halo after that. What my, what my list shows is that uh, <laughs> the Division 2 hooked me for a long time until we hit our real pandemic. But then the DLC brought me back. Uh, Sekiro, I like, but I suck at, which is why that was 2019's most played game. Far Cry, I bought all of the expansions for Far Cry 5. And then Battlefront 2 was just the perfect mix of some of my favorite. And it still looks good to this day. Jeff, did you get yours? Yeah, I'm I'm walking around my own personal museum here. So you, uh, you should see they have like big placards for like your most played and your yeah, top so fives. The first game I played on on Xbox was Geometry War. Oh, no, Xbox 360. First game. Yeah, it doesn't show OG Xbox, I think. because none oh, of it doesn't us, show OG you- Xbox at all? I don't think so because I don't know if live existed then. My first sign into live was eleven fifteen two thousand two, which is I I believe the day live was released. Okay. Uh, and then first login on each console eleven nineteen two thousand five three twenty twenty eighteen eleven eleven twenty. I was with Those you are- for the Xbox three sixty first login. We filmed that. Oh, was that the three sixty or the Xbox? I thought was Xbox One. Xbox oh, One, three, Xbox yeah, three sixty. Yeah. TRS was, was three sixty before you. Yeah, <laughs> before. yeah TRS was three sixty, which you all probably also filmed. Yeah, uh, first game per console, Geometry Wars Retro Evolved was my first game on three sixty. Forza Motorsport Five was my first Xbox One game, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla was my first Series X game. First achievement was on. Uh, what are you? What were your? What's your Wars? most played top five played for it the last few years? Where does it show that? It doesn't have that as one of my placards. They were like full stand things in my virtual little museum. Maybe towards really? the end of the museum. I don't it's kind see. Of like right here in the rotunda. <laughs> I was like walking around a circle. And yeah, I'm were... definitely rotundaing right now. This shows my first achievement, which is a geometry word. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Your ultra wide's too wide. It's too wide. Go, your rotunda's too big. <laughs> I will say that experiences like this, I would love to see more of. I've, I've been saying this, particularly <laughs> for VR game. as well. Like instead of you know typical gaming experiences, um, adapted for VR for VR, pardon me. Just give me museum experiences for my favorite games. Let me stand next to you know an elite in Halo and and you know like you know sort of you know stand next to it appreciate the detail uh sit in a pelican dropship that sort of thing um that or relive the landing at silent cartographer i would love that sort of stuff <laughs> that's that hololens halo thing which i'm sure is rose colored glasses at this point because it probably was five years ago it was so cool because it was all those things it was really cool. anyway jeff what okay hey, my you're most giggling to played games my most played games are i mean you could guess them are you ready for this Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed. No, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. Creed Odyssey, Dragon Age 2, Fallout 4, Oblivion, and Skyrim. Okay. On brand. Yeah, that's me to a T, baby. <laughs> that is me to a T. Three Bethesda games out of five. Oh, it's hilarious. They're uh, big games. That's cool. I didn't know this was in here. I went around and watched a bunch of the uh wow number of titles played 438 yeah it's i love as was mentioning too i love stuff like this i i'm no longer a spotify subscriber i'm an apple music person now but i love spotify's end of year things apple music does like your replay like most listened to yeah um which my because of my kids it will be probably the vivo soundtrack for 2021 uh, <laughs> I just uh, I love, I love stuff like this. Skyrim, Oblivion, Fallout 4, Dragon Age 2, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That is, I mean, come on. You, can, I, I would <laughs> if, if I'd sat down and thought about it long enough, I probably would have been able to come up with that myself. It's pretty funny. And on Xbox, so I'm sure there were some. You know, yeah. that's the thing. It's like we play right. We play multiple but, uh, consoles and lots of PC stuff too. So, uh, really cool, cool huh? thing that they did for you know for for no real reason, and I, I think it's cool and it's it's fun to go back and see all those. It's just crazy that it's 20 years ago. It seems like yesterday to me that I got I got my Xbox, original Xbox bundle with uh with Halo. Um what was that cell shaded racing game where oh, Destruction was, Derby? Or? No, 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 it was I can it, see the it, cover art. It was a racing Mad game where the title? It, it was a racing game, but it was people were running. It was there's no cars or vehicles. It was it was they were all running characters and there was cell shaded cell damage or something like that it was called uh and because you couldn't buy an original xbox on release day or at least i couldn't uh without getting a bundle so i had to get i had to get two games i didn't care about uh what was the third game in my bundle something else terrible i'm sure oh no it was uh it was call of duty 2 it was call of duty 2 i think wasn't that I a think launch mine was game? like 360 yeah Oh, no, that's 360. No. I'm, I'm confusing yeah. with 360. Mine was like Xbox Gun, Gun Metal, Halo, on a gun, or not, not not Gun. What was the um, Black? It was one of those clearly. It was like the those cross gen games. I bet it was Call of. No, what what, what were it was like Call of Duty Hawk. Two was Xbox 360 launch title. Yeah. This was mine was like Tony Hawk. Anyway, it's like these cross like these weird gen games that have already been out, and then it's like. And that's going to be $10,000 for Halo, the one game you care about. And I'm like, you got me. (laughs) I remember just playing Halo over and over again at my girlfriend's house uh, because I brought the Xbox over there and I would just play it for, I played on Legendary. I like played all the, 
you know, I played it first on normal, then on heroic, and then on legendary. And I just, I just kept wanting to play the the campaign over and over again. Then we played co-op and legendary oh, man that and as you sat there you said i'll be talking about you we'll still be together 20 years from now and your girlfriend yeah. was like ah and you were like i'm talking about halo yeah yeah <laughs> hilarious oh yeah, i love stuff like this Stupid um time 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 is dumb to the game you were mentioning jeff i rolled credits literally today as we are recording on uh guardians of the galaxy yeah yeah Woo-hoo. love that game i played like 80 percent of it via GeForce Now. Um, wonderful, wonderful experience. I had a great time with it. Um, we've talked about Guardians in length in, on this show, so I won't belabor it more now. I imagine we will talk about it more, you know. Yeah, now that we have year. both uh, rolled credits, we could we could do like a spoilery fun thing about it. We should do that. I thought the story it, was very good. Phenomenal, phenomenally acted and performed, graphically beautiful, Um it's the only knit is the knit that it seems like everybody has. It's just, and it was the thing I was concerned about before the game came out. Uh, the combat it's, it's, there are moments toward the end that are very fun that have you juggling abilities in order to control large crowds. I don't think there are enough of those moments. Um, but everything else about the game is so strong that the combat not being the best ever does not diminish the game. Like if you were bummed out by Avengers, like I was, don't let that make you avoid Guardians of the Galaxy. It is a phenomenal video game and a phenomenal comic book story. And and one of the best acted and performed video games I've played in recent memory. I mean, there's a lot that are really good and it's right up there with them. Just absolutely phenomenal. The characters, the portrayal, the costumes in the game yeah. it doesn't suffer from uncanny valley of not being MCU. These actors that portray the characters in the game embody them um, really well. And it's just a, it's just a hoot to play. I was a 17 hours was per steam. Mm. Um, start. Yeah, I was right at 20 for me. So it's lower, I guess, but yeah, it's great all the way through. Uh, I think it, it didn't need, quite need to be that long there was a couple things i might i might take out a couple of like flashbacky things that felt a little tedious but minor nits to what is overall a, i think a very very strong game and so- likely cheap as you're listening to this like it's yeah sadly I mean, it was like 25 bucks this past weekend it's easy to recommend at full price i think i loved it great game guardians of the galaxy i mean, i think both you and i when it was first announced were pretty pessimistic about how it was going to come out and here we are both singing its praises Great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. My uh, my playlist has a couple of uh, new entries on it. One of, I'll start with a game called Chesel, which uh, I had never played, but I think has been out as a mobile game, maybe? Anyway, it, it hit Steam. Um, I was sent a code for it. I don't believe this is an expensive game anyway, but um, it's a puzzle game built around chess, hence chisel chess and puzzle uh and it's it's a a devilishly simple concept where uh you play you you have a chess board um but most of the pieces are not on it you only have a few pieces and you have to uh figure out the progression to take each piece in turn but the trick is once you take a piece with a piece you become the piece you took so if your pawn takes a knight, you become a knight. 
and your knight but still on your still on your same side you're not like well you're not you playing, playing against anybody you're just okay, using the rules of chess to, to figure out this puzzle and the puzzle is which order do you take pieces to take all the pieces so there will be for example there will be a uh you know a a knight diagonally one space away from a pawn so the pawn can take the knight well now the knight has to move the way knights move in that l shape in order to take another piece and if you can't take a piece from with that knight in moving that direction then you shouldn't have been taking that knight in that order right there's a different order that gets you to that knight so you're basically like, oh, do I use the pawn to take this other piece, which then I become a bishop, and now I can move diagonally to take a queen that lets me go down. And so basically you're just trying to figure out the pattern of which piece leads you to which piece to get to the end of the string. Does that make sense? What's the, what's the fail state like? Like if I go to that night and I can't go anywhere, does it start again, or can yep. you rewind? Start again. You just start again. Okay. And you have to, you know, it starts relatively simple and gets more and more and more and more complex and the game keeps telling you like i have infinite of these <laughs> i'm like that's intense that seems a little intense but it is definitely the kind of game where minutes and hours just melt away playing it because it's very zen it's very simple i love chess anyway and i mean it's not playing chess but it's using the rules of chess to do this other thing which is this fun little puzzle and so you can just burn through, you know, two dozen levels in, in an hour or whatever and have a great old time. And it just keeps going and keeps getting more complex. And you keep going, Ooh, oh, I get I get what you're doing, game. You know, very simple. I think it's I don't even know how much it costs, but I think it's like, you know, 10 bucks or 15 bucks. something like that's inexpensive game. And um, one I I you know, spent more time on than I thought I would just because it's easy to keep on going and and it's a fun, zen, meditative kind of experience. Uh, Chezel is the name of the game. C-H-E-Z-Z-L-E. I always love cool twists on established formulas like that. You know, when yeah. they release a new Pac-Man game, you're like, okay, what could they possibly do new for Pac-Man or Tetris for that matter? So this sounds really cool. It is really cool. It is such a simple idea that I've never seen anybody do before. The idea of when you take a piece, you become that piece and you're limited by that piece's movement. Uh, so where are you going to go next? It's That's the question. It's like, how does this piece get me to where I need to go? Or do I need to go a different direction? And 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 it becomes really complex. Like these chains, they split off in certain ways where it's like, oh, well, I can take either this or that. But if I take that, then I'm limited to where I can go next and next and next. And 14 steps down the, the chain, I go, ah, I, I, you know, I have something hanging out here that I forgot to, to take uh, 12 steps ago or whatever. It's, it's clever. Chisel. It reminds me right. of uh, backwards engineering portal puzzles. Like you walk into the room and you're just immediately overwhelmed by what you see. Yeah. <laughs> by the end, you feel like a genius. Right, right. It, it, yeah, that's definitely the experience for this game as well. Um. All right. Uh, the other game I have been playing is a game, a new, the new game from Airship Syndicate, which is I one love. of the, yeah, one of those developers that like anything they put out, I'm going to perk up and take notice of and probably going to buy. I bought this game. It's called Ruined King. And lo and behold, it's a League of Legends game. Now, much to my surprise, gentlemen, 
as somebody that's never pl- really gotten into League of Legends, I played it a couple times, but I, you know, I was a, a Here's the Storm MOBA guy, never really made the jump to League of Legends. Here I am enjoying all of these League of Legends projects. I talked last week in the parting gift section about Arcane, the League of Legends cartoon series that is phenomenal. It's on Netflix. And here I am now, this other game that's set in the League of Legends universe. All of a sudden, I'm super into the League of Legends universe without being a fan of League of Legends. It's, I, I, I find it to be quite surprising. No one's more surprised than I, uh, that I am like all about League of Legends right now. But I dig this game, Ruined King. Now, Airship Syndicate made uh, a game I cannot believe looking it up, I cannot believe it was all the way back in 2017 that Battle Chasers Night War came out. But man, I loved Battle Chasers Night War. It's still installed on my hard drive because I, I thought, well, it came out like two years ago, right? No, it came out four, almost five years ago now. Um, but uh, I love Battle Chasers Night War. Turn-based uh, RPG, sort of a classic uh, JRPG style uh, game, great art. Uh, Joe Madera, the comic book artist, founded Airship Syndicate, the studio, and it's very much got that comic book aesthetic. Really beautiful art. Anyway, so here's this company, Frank, Astonishing Times, friend of the show. He's been on. That's right. Uh, he was on Filmcast not too long ago too, and then I think Astonishing Times. Oh, Frank, I'm sorry if I get this wrong. Did it finish, or did I just read that it was the last one? Early? I think it's done. Anyway, it's phenomenal, and it's on uh, Comicsology. Uh, it's also his comic book and Ruin King, a team, of course, but uh, phenomenal story. Well, now Riot Forge is publishing their newest game, Ruined King, a League of Legends story. And this is a very much got a lot of that Battle Chasers Night War DNA in it. Uh, but it's set in the League of Legends universe. Again, the art is beautiful vibrant it's got um this top-down overworld and you're moving around as these league of legends characters having a story beats and stuff and then you get into turn-based uh battles and uh another one of my favorite jrpgs of all time is grandia 2 god i love grandia 2 and one of the cool things that that game used that i don't think anybody has done quite as well since is the um this timeline of when everybody's going to do their attacks and like knocking people back so that you can prevent them from even attacking you uh, at all. Um, if you use certain attacks that will stagger them or push them down that timeline. I love that about Grandia too. Uh, and Rune King does something similar, but adds a really interesting twist, a really interesting twist that is inspired by a MOBA in that you have a timeline of when everybody on your team and all the enemies are going to act and they're going to attack. And that timeline is actually split up into lanes. So there is a balanced lane, there's a speed lane and there's a power lane. Uh, And you can do certain lane attacks. These are the more powerful attacks that require mana to, to uh, do and when you when you activate them, you can decide which lane you want them to be in. So if you have them in the speed lane, they will happen faster, uh, closer along that timeline, sooner along that timeline, so that you can try to beat an enemy to the punch, for example. But they will be less powerful. 
But if you select the powered lane, they happen, they take longer to happen, but they will, you know, knock off more HP from your enemies, etc. So it's a really cool layer of strategy. Uh, and also there are things that come down these timelines like uh, environmental effects. Like if you're standing in a cloud of poison or something, there's these indications on the timeline of when that's going to affect you. And sometimes those will only affect certain lanes. So you can actually even decide to do specific lane attacks to move you into a different lane to avoid some of those effects or get into a lane to get some of those effects. If, for example, you go to a shrine and it's a healing shrine, it will happen as an area effect in specific lanes. And all that is happening sort of just in the UI layer while you have a very traditional JRPG, beautifully animated attack scene, two-dimensional attack scene happening uh, in the main screen. Uh, but I really dug all of the um, the sort of added strategic elements that that introduced into the turn-based uh, attack structure. I'm I'm a sucker for turn-based combat games and and RPGs that work this way anyway. And, you know, it, it, Battle Chasers Night War had elements of that, but I think sort of informed by the MOBA lane vocabulary uh, really does something I've never seen another game do. And I think it, it, it was, it's really fun. I'm digging it. I'm really digging it. Ruined King. To clarify, Mike, Astonishing Times, uh, the first volume, it's five issues. They're all available on Comixology. Um, and the fifth issue of the first volume it came out in no the end of November. So that first volume is now done and you can read those. It's not a League of Legends story, but anyway, uh Frank, they're great and you know that. I do have to say, and I know this is gonna be frustrating to some, but I have to say my biggest gripe with Ruined King, League of Legends game, is that while it supports ultra wide, <laughs> it doesn't actually support ultra wide. It it puts uh it puts bars on the sides that have nice art, but it keeps the actual action of the game in a very tight little window on the ultra wide screen. And it's such a shame. Now, I don't know how difficult it is to just render the entire game world on a larger surface. A lot of games do it. I can't imagine it's that. I don't know. I don't know how difficult it is, but the point is it's very disappointing to have uh, this beautiful, vibrant game world constrained to a, you know, 16 by 9 surface. Uh, it, uh, free the game, Airship Syndicate. <laughs> Let the game l breathe an ultra-wide. Come on, baby. Uh, so you play games the way I play old Genesis games, right? If it's, I'm always like... Oh, what's the surround gonna be? What fake CRT TV? Right. Some weird Genesis comic book art. Uh, I mean, Sonic comic book art. Yeah. That's kind of the fill for. What do games do that don't? Do some just have like black, like kind of nothing, like letter letterbox side box, just uh, nothing at all? What I've run into is is one of two things. Either they will just not allow you to enter that resolution. They just won't support huh. that resolution, and therefore. You have to Play render it at a, a lower resolution, and that and that will create the black bars on the sides. It just your monitor will be like, well, this is the resolution you asked me to render it at, and here's the weird, you know, that's what you get. Um, or, you know, it, it will do what 
what this game does and have some kind of art like um oh what was it uh gosh my brain's not working there's another big prominent game that does that um and i I think the art on the sides is pretty but it is exactly like you're saying it's like those old those old um emulated games that are like oh they put art of the cabinet on the side or the arcade cabinet art. Yeah, yeah yeah um but you know, uh, when games support it, and you do get that vibrant full screen, it's it's so striking. And I just, I think this game is pretty enough that it would really, really benefit from being supported. And even if they thought, oh well, the you know the the combat sprites are too far apart, you know, because it does that thing that JRPGs do, where you know your team's on one side and the enemy team's on another side. And I can imagine if you split that apart and you really spread those out, it might be weird, but for the combat sequences, you can keep them tight and just have stuff on the side. But the overworld <laughs> is where it really stinks, man. Cause it just feels like the whole world is constrained and it's this beautiful overworld, this, you know, top down isometric. Um, I mean, it's very painterly and pretty. It's, it's a, it's a very pretty game, but my monitor makes it look bad. You know, don't do well, maybe you should be playing it on a Switch OLED or somewhere. You know, I think yeah. it is on Switch. It's kind of everywhere, right? If I remember correctly, I think so. Um, yeah, I'm playing on Steam, King. obviously, but um, yeah, maybe you know, it did, certainly designed. I think as a console game first, and not for these weird screens that I love. All right. Anyway, that is Ruined <laughs> King, uh, a game I'm digging despite you know having to suffer through 16 by nine. <laughs> I know I'm obnoxious. I'm obnoxious. All right, (laughs) that is going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Shane Bailey, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been awesome having you on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for allowing me to to come on, Jeff. It's uh, yeah, like I said at the top of the show, as someone who's been following you guys for more than a decade at this point, uh, it's a it's a dream to to come and chat video games with you. And thanks for allowing me to yeah spruik a a cause that uh, I really care about. Well, let's mention it again, a game on cancer. Tell folks how they can get involved, where they should be looking for updates, et cetera. Yeah, you can head to our website, gameoncancer.com.au. Uh, all of the ways you can learn about how you can get involved are on that site. Like I said, we have a uh, big fundraising campaign coming up this December called The Holiday Spectacular, uh, and we're partnering with creators, gaming devs, publishers, esports, community groups, all, all sorts of people to, yeah, try and uh, raise money for the early career cancer researchers that we support. Uh, you can donate to some of your favorite creators. You can sign up and start fundraising yourself um, and even check out all the cool ambassadors who are joining the cause like Jeff. Um, and we'll also, uh, uh, there's also all the social channels you can find there as well. So yeah, that website again is gameoncancer.com.au. Number of uh, your ambassadors have also been guests on our show, Stephanie Bendixson and uh, Nick Richardson, and multiple multiple time guests on on our show, and proud to be standing side by side with them to uh, help support this cause. So, uh, thanks again for thinking of us and wanting to reach out to our audience. We'll be talking about it a lot more uh, over the over the next year, and uh, happy to uh, happy to be a part of this great cause. So, thank you. Pleasure. No, thanks for uh, thanks for joining. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Man, what is going on this week? Uh, I usually stream this show live on my Twitch, which is at twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. We typically record starting uh, around 7.15 p.m. 
Pacific time. You can follow me on Twitter at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. And uh, my kid, oh yeah, my kids get their second dose of Pfizer tomorrow. And then I'm hoping two weeks after that, I will start venturing out and doing some more stand-up. But Twitter will be the best way to, to find out about uh, if exciting. I do that or you know what new variant lies behind the door number Christian goes back into the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Twitter's the best way at Spicer, S P I C E R. Then I have a neglected newsletter, uh, folks. I have started and then not finished several because of other things pulling me away, but you can subscribe to it for free. Uh, it's at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. And it's where I do longer form writing about games. And, um, my goal is to actually get one out this month. I usually do about one or two a month, but holidays and other projects have pulled me away. Um, but tinyletter.com Christian Spicer is where you can find that. All right. I also have something special. I have a, I have, I have a little surprise, uh, but first I want to tell you about um, ways that you can uh, follow me. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I also do several other shows, including the slash film cat. No, it's not called that anymore. The film cast which is a movie and TV review show, uh, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts, the film cast. I also do a sports show called the fan controlled show uh, for fan controlled football. You can find that on Thursdays, 3 PM Pacific time at FCF, excuse me, at uh, twitch.tv slash FCF. I do a comedy science show called we have concerns. You can find that at we have concerns.com. And I do a dungeons and dragons show called The Dungeon Run, which you can find on YouTube as an audio podcast or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, before we get to parting gifts, guys, I have uh, something real special to debut. Uh, This is a a little uh, Thanksgiving holiday gift to, uh, to us, honestly, and to i will pass along to our audience i'm excited now this comes to us from a listener and the listener has specifically asked me not to reveal their name uh but this is a musician that was inspired by a conversation that we had and have had over and over again this one in particular uh we had with our friend Khalif Adams. So this Khalif gets a special uh, special appearance in this song, which I'm going to play now in its entirety. Shane, I hope you bear with us. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm certainly tickled by it. Uh, it is a song called Tea for Trash. It has GDDR. Uh, it is the wildest thing on the planet. Speaking of the silicon uh, shortage, um, you didn't have a 2080T, Jeff, right? No, I didn't. No, nope. it's a TI. The I is a uh, lowercase. Like, on the praises of NVIDIA and the things they do, and how I truly think they push the industry forward in, in huge ways. But while all of this is happening, they have announced new GPUs. So Throw well. your 3080 in the trash, Christian! <laughs> Get it? Out of my house. Get it? Out of my house. Get it? Out of my, my house.
Clicking to try to get a 3080? No, guess what? It's garbage now. Throw it in the trash. <laughs> and I did. I took mine out and threw it away. And I'm just going to wait to like, get the, the new one because I don't want that old one. And, you know, I, I need yeah, for a chance to get a 3080 today. It is garbage <laughs> that is not worth putting in your computer. Trash. There you have it. That is T for Trash, the 3080 song. It comes to us from Aerosol Jesus. You can find Aerosol Jesus on uh, Instagram, I believe, at Aerosol Jesus. Jesus is spelled with a Z. Uh, Aerosol, J-E-Z-U-S. Thank you, Aerosol Jesus, for uh, that. That's pretty great, right, Christian? Why isn't just that audio our new intro song instead I mean, of the uh, Tesla, whatever? Like when it's like down, 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 down. Pretty down, good, right? And then when it drops in, oh man, Get it so good. Out of my house. So I was uh, taking me back to the Super Mega Worm days. That's yeah, yeah it's it it super, it super yeah. Mega Worm. It is, it, is, it is very Super Mega Worm. I'll tell you what, Jeff. I have a plan for us if if things come to fruition. Uh, to speak vaguely, uh, we're dropping an album. It's going to be a thing, and we're going to, we're an, going to album drop an album based on music we did not make. <laughs> it's going to be other people make us into an album. Yes, oh, come on. that's the best well, way we, to make an album. I'm I'm told is that you outsource yes, all the work. Yes, we drop the hot hooks. You know, yeah, uh, the, the hot verbal. Hooks. We say dumb mastery. stuff, and people use their artistic talent <laughs> to make us sound slightly less dumb. That's Thank good. you. That's pretty good. Uh, anyway, uh, how do you think music gets made, Jeff? How do you think say, music gets uh, made? Describe modern music, Jeff. I guess I did. <laughs> I guess I did. Um, that was a delight. I hope all of you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, thank you, Aerosol Jesus, for all of your time and effort making that. It's uh, 
So good. Pretty special. Pretty cool. All right. Let's uh, wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Which I don't have ready to go. Hang on. Shane, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do, and hopefully more than just their week. Uh, I would like to suggest uh, volunteering, doing some volunteer work. Uh, I have found it a great way to um, meet people who are like-minded. Um, the, in fact, Jeff, I, I, I should have brought this up as, as something I want to mention on the show, but um, I think my, my path into charity work can be in some small way contributed to um, a lot of the great work you've done in the past. Um, the one sort of moment I'll cite is uh, the volunteer work you did for Comfort Zone Camp way back in the day, a camp for grieving children in the United States. Um, at the time, we didn't have an equivalent here in Australia. Uh, and as someone who uh, lost uh, my father when I was very young, um, was looking for the opportunity to obviously con- contribute to an organisation like that. One has since popped up here in Australia called Feel the Magic. They're Australia's leading grief education uh, organisation. And I've been volunteering with them for more than six years at this point. I credit that with my now great passion for charitable work and charitable causes. And I, so I think, um, yeah, it has sort of led me on this path to where I am today at Cure Cancer. Um, amazing. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, in my time working at, at Feel the Magic, um, I've made lifelong friends. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it really has amazed me just, you know, how much joy you, you can get and amazing people you get to meet when uh, you find a cause that, you know, you really care about uh, and maybe you can use it as a way to, yeah, meet new people. So um, yeah. I found it to be a great social endeavor as well, as well, you know, just being up, being something that can uh, obviously have a positive impact in the world. So, yeah, if, if you do have some kind of passion, whether it be, you know, the environment, maybe just find a community group that just picks up trash on the weekends on the beach or something like that. Um, it can be really, really simple. Um, and obviously it's something you just you, you give as much time as you can to it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly encourage anyone to, to just yeah look into volunteer work and see how else you might be able to have a, a positive impact in the world. What a great thing to bring up. I, I agree with you that sometimes you can, you can hear volunteer work and you can, you can hear, oh, it, it sounds like a chore. But man, you get so much out of it. You get so much out of it. Working with Comfort Zone Camp was, you know, one of the greatest things I ever did in my life. And it, it, I will never, ever, ever, it, it changed me. It changed me. Um, and, you know, like you said, you meet these wonderful, wonderful people and you just, you gain so much appreciation for goodness in the world. So, yeah, wonderful. Uh, I think it's a great thing to bring up. Thank you for saying that. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? What's your parting gift? One quickie, uh, both quickies, two little ones. One, I think I make every year, and this is the perfect episode to do it. Uh, end of year charitable donations. Start thinking about them. You mentioned it at the top of the show. I want to make sure we mention it at the end of the show. In the United States, I don't know Australian tax laws. Um, in the United States, they're tax deductible more often than not. Um, and also a great way to help great organizations find organizations that you want to support. And um, money goes a long, long way in helping those organizations in their day to day. And now's the time to start thinking about them if you haven't already. So get them done. The other is uh, a new movie on Netflix, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda directed, starring Andrew Garfield, and it's called Tick, Tick, Boom. 
And it is um, about Jonathan Larson, who is the composer and writer of Rent, is what he is most well known for. He also wrote Tick, Tick, Boom, was a, a, um, a rock monologue he wrote that after his um, untimely death when he was 35. Um, Spoiler. Others. No, that's just his biography. Well, yeah, but 35. I think the movie lands very differently if you didn't know that about him. I don't think so at all. Um, well, anyway, I, apologies for spoiling the true fact of an historical figure. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, he's dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he, Tick, Tick, Boom was made into a three-act play after his death as well. And now Lin-Manuel Miranda has directed this um, film version of that story, that part of his life. And I think it's beautiful. It captures, I I mentioned this for Halt and Catch Fire, but it it captures the highs and lows of creative creation beautifully. And Andrew Garfield, um, I've loved, and I got to to meet and and, and see speak um, a little bit after um, Under the Silver Lake, Under under Silver Lake, what Mm -hmm. was that? Yeah, yeah. Um, at an early screening of that a few years ago. But seeing him in Tick, Tick, Boom I, raises my thoughts of him to a whole new level. It's just phenomenal. And I cannot recommend the film enough, even knowing, going into it, as I did, that the real-life person, Jonathan Larson, died at 35. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you keep reiterating that. But I think it – I mean, we. this is the movie we reviewed on uh, the film cast this week, and uh, I concur. It's, it's a great movie, but I – I do think it, it, it is a different movie if you know that or you don't. I watched it with um, my dad and stepmom this weekend, and they did not know that. And I think it's uh, it, it, it hits you like a ton of bricks at the end if you didn't if you didn't know that. Anyway, well, please know I was not trying to spoil the movie. I, I, know I, I feel I know bad, that. but I feel like this saying <clears throat> Apollo Eleven is a better movie if you didn't know they made it. Well, it's like, a little different. It's a little different, uh, but also not that's if you're a true. musical theater person, <laughs> it's not. I mean, I don't know. But, but yeah, yeah, I think this also, is a, yeah, whatever. But yeah, you're not recommending yeah. it to musical theater people. You're recommending it to the general public. It probably doesn't know who JF, that dude JFK is. JFK is a different movie if you didn't know what happened. It's a little different. A little different. I don't think most people knew who Jonathan Larson is before this film. Well, they should. And they should watch Tick, Tick, Boom, even knowing. All right. Uh, I, my recommendation, my my parting gift is actually uh, very similarly uh, about the artistic process. And... It is an extraordinary thing. If you have Disney Plus, I know we're all watching Hawkeye. I'm enjoying it, whatever. Do yourself a favor and watch Get Back, the Beatles documentary that Peter Jackson has made. Three episodes. Each episode is almost three hours. It's a lot of, a lot of show. I've only watched the first one so far, but it gobsmacked me. It's it's an amazing documentary. It's the kind of documentary I wish all documentaries were, which is basically like they just set the camera up and let you feel like a fly on the wall. Watching the Beatles create one of the great albums of all time, let it be. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. I talk more about it on the film cast, but man, uh, I've never seen anything quite like it. You just you, you literally watch Paul McCartney write Get Back in real time. Like he's just like messing around going like he's trying to it's amazing it's amazing who who had that footage like that's the other i know the beatles were already huge by the time this was happening but it still just blows me away like this wasn't iphones in pockets you know and it still feels intimate and 
is had all this sitting somewhere and Peter Dude. Jackson went and made it into this. It's incredible. Uh, did you watch it? Not episode two, right? Is also out. Just all three of them one. I think are out, but okay. So not, not all of it then. Yeah. It's man. I've only watched the first one. They're all three hours. So it's a lot of, a lot of yeah. commitment, but man, it is so good. It's so crazy. Good. It's like, it's the dream. It's the dream where you're like, Oh, that thing that is ingrained in me. I get to watch the, the, the moment it was created, literally the moment it's wild. Anyway, let's get back. Spoiler: Two of them are dead. <laughs> Still very different. Again, very different situation than what I'm talking about. Uh, all right. We have a, um, uh, parting gift uh, from a viewer. If you want to send a parting gift, you can send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, this one comes uh, from Richard in Texas. Um, Richard says, uh, based on Jeff's appreciation for animation styles of TV shows and movies like Arcane, What If, and Into the Spider-Verse, I want to suggest the Academy Award-nominated holiday film Claws on Netflix. Not only is it a good family movie, but it's also technically incredible it's actually a traditional 2d animated movie with some crazy techno magic lighting effects that make it look like a 3d storybook there's a behind the scenes video uh, from insider on youtube about the process that you should check out as well stay rad and merry christmas richard in texas i've been wanting to watch claws uh, for a couple of years now i tried watching it last year I guess it came out last year. So I tried watching it last year with my kids and they tapped out after a couple minutes. I was so mad because I've heard such good things about it. Still haven't gotten around to watching it. Have you guys watched this one? I've watched it. It starts a little spooky. My, yeah, my youngest yeah. also was like, I don't know about, it's not, you know, cheer and, right. and snow cone party at the beginning, but it's awesome. I'll add it to the list, but sometimes, uh, yeah, the differences in Netflix libraries between countries can, yeah. can differ. So um, fingers crossed. Right. Well, but you know what? I'm not too mad because you're already getting season three of Bluey right now in Australia. And I have to VPN if I want that. So anyway. Not where I say I haven't watched an episode of Bluey at all. I, you don't have kids, but you know what? It's still, it's, it's a, such an amazing show. Amazing. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Shane Bailey and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us in real time, making the show better. We appreciate you. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those fun bumpers. Thank you to each and every one of you that value us enough to download us and put us in your ear holes. We are grateful. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>